Good morning. <laughs> I really am thankful that you're all here this morning. I know that Christmas time is a time when folks are a bit more willing than other times to come along to church. And in our house, there is always a great deal of tension about when Christmas begins. Uh, there are some in our family who would like it to start as soon as Halloween finishes. And then others who insist on waiting till after Thanksgiving. Do you have that tension in your house, any of you? And it goes to everything. Music, you can't wear red sweaters. I wore a red sweater with snowflakes on it, and one person in my family was incredibly incensed, and so I had to change it. But now it's Christmas time. We're here. And the thing for Christians at Christmas time is we celebrate together the season of Advent. You've probably heard that word, Advent. It's, it's very simply a way of naming the fact that this is the time of year when we are conscious of waiting for God to come to us. Uh, when Jesus was born, it was the conviction of those people who were there with him that this was someone exceptionally special who had arrived, and it was someone that they'd been waiting for. And in this season, what we Christians do is we, re we remember what happened back there, we think about what we believe will happen someday, which is the world is not going to be abandoned. God himself will come and deliver and, and Jesus will come again. But in this meantime, this is the time of year when we Christians wait for God to become real again in our hearts in a new way. Can anyone here relate to that feeling of needing a sense of God's nearness? Can you? Yeah, yeah so in this season, this year... Um, we're going to do the same thing in some way that we always do, which is we're going to read together the narratives of Jesus' birth. But what we'll focus on this year is the names that are given to Jesus. And the reason we're doing that is very simple. The names that are assigned to him, they tell us about who he is. And the reason I want you to know who he is is it's my conviction that the more you know about him, the better you'll be able to follow him. And so what we're focusing on this season is who we follow. That's the theme that's going to organize our thinking. And so if you're a follower of Jesus already, my hope for you is that learning together, and, and this will be a, a message where there's a, a lot of information given. I'm going to be kind of like a teacher for you. But learning together will help us know who this one is that we follow so that we can follow him more closely and more faithfully. And listen, uh, if you're skeptical, and some of you are, there are good reasons to be skeptical of people who go by the name Christian out in this world. But, but my hope is that you'll be able to set aside your skepticism and then consider what is here that has virtue. Not because it's organized around a religious community, but because the story that's told at Christmas time tells a story that is profoundly good for us when we know who this one is. And not just for us, but for all people. If only all people would receive Jesus, I'm going to put my cards on the table, it would be good for everybody. Now watch this. This is how the New Testament begins. The very first sentence of the New Testament in the book of Matthew. Here's what it reads. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this is how the New Testament starts. It's the very first sentence in the book. And already in that first sentence, there is a title which is given to the baby Jesus who is going to be born. And it's right there. It's the word Messiah. It's surely not the only place that this name 
for this baby is given. If you continue on, you get to the place where the Christmas story is about to be told, and it says, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. If you keep reading, you come across King Herod. Do you know his story? King Herod's very anxious about this baby that has been born, and what he does is he calls the wise men to come along, the magi. You know them, right? The three kings. And he says to them, tell me where the Messiah is to be born. If you Stay with the Christmas story until you're out on the hillside. The shepherds are there watching their sheep. You remember this part of the story? The angels appear. They say, don't be afraid. We have good news of great joy for you and all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is? That You were supposed to help me out there. Who is? Messiah. Messiah. All right, got it. Over and over again, he's called Messiah. In this one word, in this one single word, There is wrapped up an enormous amount of information that is practical for anyone who wants to understand who Jesus is. Far more, far more than I will cover in a single message. Even if I had two more espressos, still couldn't do it. The the Messiah, this hope, had characterized the people of Israel from all the way back here. This sense that the world needs to be delivered and needs a divine solution for its wound, which is incurable unless God intervenes. For for generations, the hopes had been that Messiah would come and liberate and save and restore and redeem. There's way more than we can get to in a single message, but this morning I I will give you three things that are wrapped up in that name there for you personally. And I'm gonna start... Uh, with just putting all three of the lessons that I want to give you this morning right up front. If you're a note taker, I'm doing this in hopes that there's the highest likelihood that you'll take what I want you to take with you this morning. Because wrapped up in that name is, first of all, that name, Messiah, tells us that this baby, Jesus, it tells us that Jesus came to tell us the truth. That's the first thing I'm going to share with you this morning. Uh, and, And I think this is a pertinent Uh, lesson for us because we live in a world where there's a lot of people who aren't telling the truth. Do you agree? This is where you're supposed to go, hmm. And and when when the truth is twisted, it hurts cultures, it hurts countries, it hurts individuals, it hurts men and women and families and children because lies are ruinous. Messiah means that Jesus came to tell us the truth. That's the first thing I'm gonna show you. Like a prophet. Second thing in that title Jesus came to lead us with integrity. And that also is really good news in a world where many of our leaders, the more public, the more true it seems to be, lack integrity. They're dishonest. They seem to be out for selfish gain. It's just their own interests. But what we learn in this name, Messiah, for that baby is that he came to provide leadership that was pure and righteous and good, like a king who is perfect. That's the second thing we'll learn. And then the third thing, Messiah tells us that Jesus came to bring us to God. And whether we acknowledge this or not, our greatest need, and I'm speaking for everyone, and and that's a risky thing to do, but I'm going to say it because I believe it's true. Our greatest need is to be restored in our relationship with the divine, with the transcendent creator of all things who made us and knows us and knows how life works right, that God is waiting for you and for me to be restored to the proper relationship to him. And that's our greatest need. And Messiah tells us that Jesus came to set things right between us and God. And that is also in that name, Messiah, like the perfect 
priest, all three, did you hear all three of them? Prophet, king, and priest are wrapped up in that one word, Messiah. Let's spend a little time in language. Right now, there's one person who's like, yes, ancient languages. The rest of you are like, ugh. Well, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) When you read that word Messiah in the New Testament, uh, the Greek word is Christu. And when that word Christu appears in the New Testament, sometimes it's translated in English as Messiah, but other times it's translated or it's transliterated as Christ. And Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? It's not Jesus, Mr. Christ. Christ is the Greek word which translates a Hebrew word, Mashiach. And that word often is transliterated into English as Messiah. And so this is the lesson, okay? Every time you see Messiah or every time you see Christ, in the original language, it's the same word. Those two, Messiah and Christ, are both just different languages for the exact same word, which literally means anointed one. So every time you come across that that word in in the New Testament, when you hear the angels say to the shepherds, unto you this day is born in the city of Bethlehem an anointed one, immediately your mind is, is meant to go to this question, for what would a person be anointed, because that's who this one is. It's the first way he's described in the entire New Testament is to say that this one came and he was anointed. Now, the first readers of this story and the first hearers of this news would immediately have thought of the history of the people of Israel, God's people, from the time that God came to Abraham and gathered them together and gave them a specific task in the world, which was to bless the whole world, they would immediately have thought of why a person would have been anointed by God. And I'm going to unfold that for you very simply. There were three reasons in the ancient religion of the people of Israel that someone would be anointed by God. And that very simply means that there would be a religious ceremony where sacred oil was put upon them and the prayers of the people would be lifted up and that moment would mark that person for a specific sacred task. They had a job to carry out. The first job for which a person was anointed, when we look at the history of God's people, is for the work of the prophet. The prophet is the person who comes into the world to tell the truth. And that's always important. It's especially important when people are lying. And this is remarkable. You can read it yourself. If you read through the history of the folks of Israel, you'll see that over and over again, they have leaders who are crooked, who are out for their own self-interest, who tell lies to the people so that they and their families benefit from their religious aspirations. It's truly twisted. But what God did in those days is to anoint a person who would hear from God and then tell the truth that the people needed to hear. And that was the first office for which a person was anointed. The prophet would come and tell the truth that no one else could or would tell. An anointed prophet is good news whenever there are voices telling lies. Back then and today also, don't you think? Second reason or second office for which someone would have been anointed amongst the people of Israel was to be king. Okay, this one is maybe a little bit more well-known. If you read the book of 1 Samuel, you'll hear the stories of how Saul becomes the first one who's anointed as a king. There's a special ceremony. There's oil put upon him by the uh, 
priest Samuel. He's set apart to lead God's people. He does not do a good job. David becomes king. Again, there's an anointing, but this is a second office. It is the office of leading people with integrity. Someone who will stand up and do what's right for the people all together, advocating for justice and righteousness, leading people onto pathways that go toward peace and benevolence. An anointed king, also good news in a world that is twisted by crooked leaders. And I don't need to say anything at all. You know how we need that, don't you? Yes, third office was to be a priest, and I've already mentioned Samuel. This one, the priest, was set apart to make the relationship between God's people and God himself right where it had gone wrong. And again, you don't need to look far to see how wrong we people can go. And I say we people, not those people, we people, right? Don't you know it? Uh, It is easy to see out in the world, and it was amongst the people of Israel, how God's own people went the wrong way. But God was not content to have them at a distance, and so he anointed a priest who would come and bring a sacrifice to restore the right relationship back between God and the people. And, And now all these years later, we still find ourselves... Uh, even us of faith, wandering away from God in sin, iniquity, transgression. God has made a way for us to be together with him again. It is to anoint, it is to set apart a priest for the work of restoring the relationship between God and people. The priest who brings people back to God is good news when we are far away from God, and we know that too. Now, all three of these, prophet, king, and priest, these are the tasks for which one would be anointed in the years when Jesus came. So now, imagine you're hearing the Christmas story and it's announced, this one is Messiah. This one is Christ. This one is the anointed one. Do you hear what it means? This is the one that God has set apart to be the prophet who tells the truth. This is the one that God has set apart to be the leader who leads us for our own well-being. This is the one who God has set apart to make it so the distance between you and God right now goes away. What if you opened your heart and received Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah, in these ways this season? And this is the invitation, actually, that I have for you. And I have it for myself, too. Because I, just like you, will find myself dragged by the concerns of work and life and friendships and family into the place where The the child who was born at Christmas feels distant, but now I'm invited to welcome him again, as you are. So let's do this one bit at a time. What would it look like for you this morning to receive Jesus as the one who was anointed by God to be the prophet? To say the truth that you need to hear, what would it mean? There are so many voices right now telling you what to do, what to believe, how to feel, how to vote, how to use the resources that you've got in the world, what to think about yourself, what to think about that other person who wronged you, what to think about your spouse or your friends or your family or your children or your parents, all these voices clamoring for your ears, but what if you shut them all down and just open them up to the one that according to the Christmas story was actually anointed by God to be the one who speaks the truth to you? What would happen? Now listen to this. Jesus spoke about his own words And he did this in the hearing of his disciples because he loved them. And by the way, you can only hear this if you're willing to entertain the possibility that these are words from God to you because God loves you. 
With that in mind, here's what Jesus said about his own words. This is Matthew chapter 6. He said, I can't see because I'm starting to tear up. It's Matthew chapter 7. <laughs> he says this. This is 7.24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. Now he says this. Jesus says this. Conscious of the fact that God had set him apart to have words that are like no one else's words. Words that are so trustworthy that if you listen to them, you will be a wise person who's building her life or his life on a foundation that's solid so that when storms come, which they always come, don't they? They always come. When those storms come, instead of your house falling apart, it stands strong. And, and here, the only way for you to receive this true prophet is to hear what he says and do what he says. What would it look like for you to do that? Here, let's try this out. Jesus said to the people who listened, he said this, don't try to fix that other person. Work on yourself. Jesus said that. He said, look, I know he's got a speck in his eye, but you can't see it clearly because you have a log in your own. Take the log out of your own eye and then try to fuss at other people. What if we all listen to that? Someone in here is thinking about their fussy spouse. Ooh, I wish they would listen to that. But you've just done exactly what Jesus said don't do. So don't do that. Here's another one. Jesus said this. Don't judge other people. That's my job, Jesus says. It's not yours. Let me do that. I mean, I, when I hear that, I think to myself, mm, mm-hmm. And then tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to be judging someone. I'm serious. But Jesus stands beside me and says, you let me do that. That's not your job. You're not good enough at it. You'll get it wrong, and I'm better at it. And you should only be concerned right now about me, not them, me. What if we listen to that? Jesus says, be generous, profoundly generous, wildly generous. Throw your whole self into what God is calling you to give to others rather than trying to get for yourself. Uh, Jesus says this, don't be anxious about anything. Your heavenly father knows exactly what you need He's holding you in his hands, and your concern is his concern. Don't worry. Can you imagine listening to those words from Messiah, anointed prophet, and trusting? That's, at this Christmas, I, I'm asking you to do this. Every time you hear the word Messiah in the song that you hear on the radio, or you see it on a bumper sticker in a store, or you hear it here at church, think that. Jesus is inviting me to trust that he speaks the truth, and then you trust it. That's the first call. All right, let's go to the second one. Uh, second one is king. Uh, Jesus, Messiah, or Jesus the anointed, means Jesus the king. Uh, if you've read the Christmas stories or you heard them, you know how little Jesus looks like a king when he's born, right? He's a little baby there, and he's not born at the palace. He's born in the manger. And I think we fail to recognize how odd that is. He's born in a box that animals eat out of. Would you let that sink in for a minute? We Christians believe that's God incarnate. And he's next to a, a donkey that's got those crooked, ugly teeth. Can you think of that? The Bible says that Jesus came for you. Personally. He was born as God's anointed king for you. And me, and, and that other person sitting beside you and those people that you know at work or your neighbors, 
That I, I didn't choose that. He, he came in that way. And that's what the scriptures tell me, that he comes. What kind of king is Jesus? If I'm going to receive him in this Advent season, if I'm going to open my heart to him, what kind of authority does he wield? Do you know, do you know how sick and twisted politics has become? Do you know that? I'm not just talking about one side. Some of you are like, oh, is he a Republican or a Democrat? Which one is he? <laughs> the whole thing. Do you see that? The more you learn about it, the more you see, I can't believe someone would do that. They have authority. They've been trusted in this public office to serve, and they're only serving themselves. It happens everywhere you look. It does not happen with Jesus. He is the king who comes to serve, and he becomes a servant king. It is stunning. It's one of the things that makes Christianity unique, and it's only one of the things that makes it unique among the world religions, that we are the, the people who say, that is our king, and he acts like a servant. It's so stunning. And he is a king who has, by virtue of how he lives, the authority to have my allegiance completely. He's so inspiring to me. And this is the best part to me. When he got to the point, Jesus, King Jesus, the anointed Messiah to be king, where he said, this is my law. Here it is. And he summed it up in one single word. The word he summed his entire law up was, with, he summed it up with this word, love. That's the king I want to follow. It's recorded in John chapter 13. He says this, I give you a new commandment. And he does this as a king. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. Receiving Jesus at Christmas time as the Messiah means recognizing God anointed this one to be the true king and this king's law and command is love. And if I'm going to receive him, then I'm going to love. Well, let, me add, uh, let me add this quickly. Uh, the love that he means isn't a sentiment. It's, a, it's an action, a deed. A deed where you put the well-being of another person above your own well-being, even though it hurts you, you do it because you've decided to love them like a mom does for her sons. And, 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 and even when the sons don't say thank you and they keep on demanding and the kids have no idea how much you've given to them and you bite your tongue to say what you want to say, do you have any idea how much I've given to you? Does anybody else do that? Yes. Yes? yes. Right. Love is friends who've decided... Thick or thin, I'm sticking with this person. When it's easy, I'm going to be with them. When they have a victory, I'm going to celebrate with them. Even if it's a victory in an area that I wished I had but don't, I'm not going to let jealousy get the best of me. I'm going to celebrate with them because I love them. Or no matter how hard it gets for this other person, when the wolves come and attack them, I'm not running away. I'm staying right beside them because I'm their friend. And Jesus told me this is the law of his kingdom. I'm going to love this friend. That's what it looks like. It's the mom who gives and gives and gives. It's the dad who goes right to where his daughter is and he gets interested in what she's interested in and he listens to her and he cries with her her or laughs with her, he puts his hand on her shoulder and says, you're the best. That's what love is. And to receive Messiah, King Jesus, means to decide I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey his law. Can you imagine what the world would be like, how different it would be if more and more of us at Christmas time, we didn't just sing carols, but we said, it's time for us to love like the king taught us to love. Can you picture that? It's pretty good, isn't it? I don't know. I thought you'd say like, yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. I can always count on you guys up front. One more. Yes. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> no, no. One more. Like when you cheer, it's like, oh, he's almost done. Jesus, Jesus, the anointed finally means 
that Jesus is the priest. And I, I put this one last because to me it's the most stunning. It really is. And it's, it's the most stunning when you understand the history of how the priests who were anointed amongst God's people, the Israelites, how they functioned. The way that they restored the right relationship between the people and God was by bringing a sacrifice. Uh, they would find a, a, a lamb without spot or blemish. And this they would bring in the ceremony that God had, had ordained for them uh, to, for its life to be taken away. And, and that uh, was a mechanism for restoring those people to right relationship with God. The New Testament tells us that from the beginning, and, and it says it in the first four words, in Greek, Messiah is the fourth word. It tells us right from the beginning that this one was anointed to be the one who would bring you and me back to God. And this is deeper than his role of telling the truth with his words, which is an incredible gift that he gives us. It's even deeper than his role of, of governing with authority and rule. It's all the way down to the most pressing need that you've carried into this place this morning. And, and listen, this is an aside. I know that you have needs that, that I don't know about and maybe the people in your family don't know about. I mean, the things that you're deeply afraid of that are too shameful to talk about or the regrets that you have, or the anxiety you have about the future. Um, you've carried them in here this morning. Those are really deep needs. None of them are as deep as your need to be restored to fellowship with God. And Jesus Messiah means that he's the priest, and this is what the New Testament says, who brings a sacrifice that works because it's the sacrifice of himself. Jesus Messiah is the anointed priest who brings a perfect sacrifice himself and he presents that to the Father so that you and I and the people who believe it profoundly and the people who are uncertain about it have had everything that would stand in their way between themselves and the life of the divine removed completely. And nobody can take that away from you. Here, here's how it's put in the book of Hebrews. This is Hebrews 9, 26. There it says, Christ appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. Sin is that word that captures our estrangement from the perfection and holiness of the divine. And Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed priest, removed that for all time by offering himself. And it has been removed. And that means that right now, this morning, there is absolutely nothing that has the capacity to keep you personally from the presence of God in your life. Restoring you, healing you, encouraging you, building you up, uh, making you new, making you alive, filling you with joy and gravity and truth, all of it. God is ready to receive you because Jesus did this for every broken and needy person like me and like you. We were sinners and then Christ came, the Messiah, the anointed priest, and he gave himself as a sacrifice that makes us right. To accept this gift, there's only one thing you need to be, and that is grateful. That's it. You, you don't need to pass a test. You don't need to have the right knowledge or behaviors even. All you need to do is have a heart that says, I need this. Thank God it's been given. <laughs> and it has. It's been given for all of you. And, and then when your heart is open to it, then you have peace with God. And nobody and nothing can remove that. No matter, the whole world could fall to pieces. Nothing can touch that peace with God because Jesus is our high priest who came to set things right between us and God and he's done that. So you should believe it and receive it and, and, and have peace. 
Now, this Christmas, uh, I'm going to be coming back each week, and Pastor Vito is going to help me do this as well, uh, to the different names that Jesus receives in the Christmas story. And our goal is simply going to be to learn who we follow better and better so that we can follow him individually and all together. But I'm going to end this morning with two challenges. And the first challenge is for those of you who follow Jesus already. And my challenge to those of us who are in that group is to look at ourselves this Christmas as ambassadors. Okay, now I didn't invent that word myself. It comes from 2 Corinthians. After talking about how God reconciled the world to himself in Christ, the Apostle Paul tells people who believe that that they are ambassadors for Christ. And what he means by that is that you go out into a foreign place where this good news is not yet known, and you are an official representative of the truth in that place. And so now my challenge to you, where you work, with your families, with your children, uh, with your spouses, with your kids, wherever you are this Christmas season, my challenge to you is to say, I'm an ambassador of Messiah. And remember that. And, and you're gonna, when you remember that, you're going to think, I'm an ambassador of the one who came to speak the truth, and so I'm going to trust this truth. I'm an ambassador of the king who told me to love, so I'm going to love. I'm an ambassador of the one who set things right between me and God and, listen to this, and that other person and God too. And you treat them as if that's true already. They don't know it yet. They need an ambassador to help them see it. Do you see that? So that's my challenge to those of us who follow Christ. For those of us who don't, uh, who aren't quite sure, our parents brought us or our spouse brought us, we're, not, we're ambivalent about it. My challenge to you, and I, I challenge you, and I mean it, I really am challenging you to do this, is to open your heart. Don't go on closing your heart, open it. I know that one of the main reasons in my experience that people close their heart to Christianity is because of how poorly Christians have been at the first job I just mentioned, which is to be ambassadors. There's lots of people who've been really wounded by representatives of Christianity, and for good reason, they've closed their hearts. But my challenge to you is to open your heart, not to me or to our church or to any religious institution, but to open your heart to Messiah. And then with your heart open to consider, what would it mean for me to try actually to believe and to trust that Jesus is in fact the one who speaks the truth. When I hear his words, what if I consider those words true? Not the people who preach in his name, not me, but him. Uh, and I mean it. I really am challenging anyone in here who's not ever made Jesus the center of their life to do this. And then to say, what if I decided I'm not gonna try anymore to follow that ideology which I've made king or that philosophy or even myself because I'm not that good at it, but I'm gonna open myself up to try my best to follow this king and see what happens if I try to love and love and love, and then love. And, and then lastly, what would happen if I opened my heart and said, all right, God, if Jesus has made it so that I can be close to you, let me know that in here. I hope you'll do that. Yeah, I, I hope you'll do that. Let's pray. God, I'm just so profoundly grateful to you for this season. To remember again, as we do each December, the story of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. I thank you for your faithfulness to your people, Israel. I thank you that you came to Abraham and made a promise to him, not only to bless him and his descendants and give them a land to dwell in, but through his descendants to bless this whole world. 
at Christmas, help us remember that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of Abraham, the son of David, the fulfillment of this long hope for Messiah. Open every heart in here. For those of us who believe, teach us to trust you so that we are good ambassadors. For those of us who are ambivalent, would you please come as you alone can come with your spirit and and shine your light into every heart. For those who are hesitant or afraid, take away whatever it is that holds them back. And let each and every man and woman in this place know the reality of your presence through the power of your Holy Spirit. And help us be people who wait for your coming faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.